You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Thanks for the download. If you like what you hear, hit us up at patreon.com slash 9to5cc. And if you don't, just tell your friends about it, because that's almost as good, except without the money. This is the 9to5 Entertainment System. Scott is sick or something, so it's just me and John. What do we talk about, bud? We talk about the climate. We talk about the feasibility of Mad Max post-apocalyptica. We talk about Gerard Depardieu, symbols in Quebec, the WFTDA tournament, the Georgia W. Tush Classic. We talk about hot takes. We talk about Baby Driver, the Raptors, hooray for St. Louis, and Sekiro and Vidya. And the uh, thing that we talk about is hot ones, not hot takes. Yeah, whatever. All this and more on 90s. Enjoy the show, everybody. We're going to join uh, the Pantheon of podcasts uh-huh. that yell at their dogs. Did today, we ever? Possibly. Oh, yeah. Maybe we. we yeah, we've, you've yelled at the dog before this one. We've been pretty good yeah. overall at keeping Visual the gags in. in general. I think we got a lot of visual gags out of our system <laughs> in the early years, you yeah. know, when really nobody was listening. It's yeah. true. <laughs> and so we're a little ever so slightly more. Slightly better, yeah. Slightly that, better. Uh, every time we record Go Plug Yourself, inevitably someone like talks about an image and then just like brings it up on their phone and then just like passes it around and I'm like, this is you can't do A that. plus <laughs> A plus podcasting. Uh, so yeah, maybe it's the middle of June. Uh-huh. We're a week away from La Fête Nationale. Yes, we are. And maybe it's like summer is slowly happening. The, it, yeah, it's I, been a cold, it's been a cold summer. I'm, for sure. I feel though, um, because this is Good podcast weather talk. Mm-hmm. I think that climate change has pushed summer, like has shifted it. Yeah. Because September is now basically a summer month. Like yes, from, absolutely. When we were kids, September was a, like getting cold. Yeah. Like here we, comes, we, here we, comes fall. Yeah, yeah. we would like, off, we'd often close up the cottage around Labor Day. For sure. And you'd sure. be, because you'd be like, and you'd be done. Now we're like swimming till late September. Like not just like forget closing the cottage, you're still swimming in the lake. Like swimming in the lake in September was like became like a chilly problem. I was actually thinking about that on the way here how it like people have been complaining about how cold this summer is yeah. but I'm fairly sure this is what summer was when I was a little kid that it like it got this warm maximum this is how like to 25 maybe and then like this yeah but even it took, yeah. it took a while to get to this though like I also yeah. feel that like 10 12 degrees in June is a little unusual like cuz I remember yeah. like like June was like kind of heading into summer break and whatever. Yeah. And yeah. you were already, like, shorts and t-shirt to school. Like, you wouldn't need to, like, wear a hoodie in the For morning sure. or whatever. For so, sure. Yeah, I don't remember, like, mid to high 30s was not a thing that existed no, never. as a kid. I mean, the the thing is, like, we're we're in, in the part of the world that's going to get the, like, random-ass shit, yeah. right? Like, remember last Catch year... Catch all the winds at different levels in the... Well, yeah. Storms that move up from the center and, like... Yeah, because it's, like, you're not always going to get the warm air... When you're in a transition point, right? Yeah. Some areas are going to have to get the cold air that's going the other direction, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, this year, that's what's happening to us. We're getting the cold air that's coming down from the Arctic as opposed to air that's going up into the Arctic from other areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those areas are getting really, really hot. The, the place, I think, to watch out for – a bunch of people have asked me this. Like, what's, what's like how – do how do you know when things are going really crazy or, like, what's the first well, sign? I think the it's, equator will become inhabitable. Well, that's it. Right? It's, there's <laughs> like, there's going to be – and worse than that, there's going to be a day – Mark my words on this one. I'm actually predicting this. There's okay. going to be a day where something Mr. like a Jonas. million people are going to die. And it's going to be, you're going to have a very, very poor part of the world is going to have a wet bulb temperature over 40 degrees or whatever. Yeah. And it's like n- the people who are at the absolute poorest are not going to be able to get out. They're going to have nowhere to go. It's going to be in Mumbai or it's going to be in Jakarta. It's well, going to be. Th- was it, where was it in South Africa or whatever where they had the water so- shortage and the heat? That like, actually was South Africa. Yeah. And, it, and that was just terrible mismanagement combined with multi-year drought. Right. Yeah. But, but, th- but that's what I'm saying. But I was like, so but if you put a situation like that, yeah. couple it with a cra- like a, a, an crazy like heat situation or yeah. whatever. Like an, and I, imagine that. You have a huge po- multi-10 million population city where yeah. people just can't go and they're all super poor. Like yeah. you're going to have a million people die. Yep. And then the whole world's going to be like, wait, what? Yep. And uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe ten like, years within the next ten years. I think, I think we're going to so, see that. that. Hopefully, because that, that was one of the things that I was uh, reading about, about um, some climate uh, experts and stuff. Is mm-hmm. they were like, as doom and gloom as the like prognosis is, mm-hmm. they were like one of the things that we can at least rel- not not necessarily rely on, but that we're not necessarily sure of is exactly they're like when we talk about irreparable change, mm-hmm. they're like we're pretty sure it's irreparable change, but if we're talking about irreparable like damage 
it's not always the case because they were saying mm-hmm. like for instance like scientists in the 90s did not think that the ozone layer would be able to like regrow as well as it did as quick as it did so they're mm-hmm. like when we have those cataclysmic events absolutely things will be different from that point forward but it, is it to say that like it's now a downhill bat like is it now downhill forever because we crossed that point right, or right, is right. it just a dramatic change to how the earth survives you know so i was like there's a tiny sliver of silver hope i guess that, that yeah. you're like it maybe something that's a cause for hope that's a cause uh, that like in the same way that there are factors that are preventing the or like that are going to make the climate change worse right we're talking yeah. about like the the methane release in the arctic you know yeah, yeah. there's probably other ones like that they're going to make it worse we don't know about mm-hmm. but conversely there are probably ones that are restraining the flow of yeah. of temperature that are going to make it that are like helping us yeah. you know? we don't know what those factors are no, but for I sure. Don't know. But, but, but yeah, that's it. But uh, I just think that like the ecosystem has like a, a resilience. That, that's what they're saying is they're like dramatic change does not necessarily mean irreparable damage, right? Like right. dramatic change absolutely will mean people die, and we'll probably have like certain <laughs> species going extinct. Like that, we're very confident. But w- but will we like will it be the end of all life? And you're like, like as a global ecosystem, there's like stuff that can come out that we can't even we don't even know how oh sure how sure it's sure gonna, like predict and like what species will survive and new species will come out and like who's that so if like if that happens and then we do turn things around we right, might but that alone that isn't zero reason to not to do nothing about no, climate no, no, change no, no. and, and <laughs> not especially at all what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think that that this this kind of event has ever like they've talked about the permian extinction as having been this bad mm-hmm. but it happened over the course of hundreds of thousands of years yeah, yeah. it wasn't like a single fucking 30 year period where, yeah, yeah. where we increased the greenhouse gas emissions it's I, like I'm not saying it's going to be okay, but I'm saying that, yeah. like, but there's at least some hope that if we get to, like, an oh crap moment where a million people die in the span of, like, a week or whatever, that if that is what it sadly takes for the entire planet to realize what's up, there may be chance to rebuild from that point, right. is what right. I'm saying. Like, obviously, yeah. getting to that point, avoiding that point entirely is, you Ideal. know, plan A. You know? <laughs> like, like, let's not make it so that we just, like, boil the brains of humans in certain places. But you know, yeah. Yep. So, how, how, do you have a, do you have an escape route? Like, do you have a, do you have an escape plan? Like, we used to think about the zombie apocalypse, but now mm-hmm. we're like talking about like well, the, I the did, inevitable uh, heat death of the earth. Maybe four weeks ago, I went with my brother and dad to Pizzi Nacion to look mm-hmm. at buying some land. Mm-hmm. We, um, it's like essentially straight between Ottawa and Montreal, okay. and then you go north maybe like 50 kilometers okay if you imagine that like you follow that path between montreal and ottawa there's like it's the the ottawa valley right mm-hmm. and then there's like it's fertile there but then you go north of it and it's like shitty canadian shield rocky yeah. soil right so pizzi nacion there's like a kind of a valley in the canadian shield that mm-hmm. gives you maybe 100 kilometers of good soil going north okay and we're thinking about buying some land and maybe making a lek compound yep yeah bug out zone yeah. And I'm gonna my my plan for the end of this year is I'm gonna build potato boxes in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna learn how to plant and make potatoes. I mean, th- and then yeah, if the bombs the drop, start. I've got potatoes and I've got bees, and we're gonna be okay. <laughs> Honey and potatoes. Potatoes have more than potassium. You can just about live on them. Almost. Yeah. Corn though, you got to get into corn too. I don't know about that. Corn's not not the best survival. Well, survival yeah, but, food. yeah, but you can turn corn into fuel. You're, when you're like in full, yeah, I'm really not going to be super concerned about the availability <laughs> of biodiesel during the post. But I mean, you might be. Somebody else might be. I'm going to grow potatoes and I'm going to grow bees, and That's, then maybe trade got, them to the corn people. Maybe to, I will trade them to corn like, people. I, I just, you know, inevitably think of Mad Max. Yeah. Like, what about guzzling? It is like, so preposterous <laughs> that that is how this life manages to survive. Can you imagine how fast they would all kill each other? So fast. What? In a, in a Mad Max scenario, like, how many battles can you have where, like, two or three guys die before it's going to wipe out your population over the course of a year? Yeah, very quickly. Very quickly. Right? I mean, there would be no bullets. I think that's be no the guns. conceit of Mad Max, right, is that while we're seeing this part of it, yeah. like, it is not the norm. Like, I feel that, like, a car showing up is like a dragon showing up in say like westeros right you know like 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 it is not like everyone has a battle car or whatever like i feel most most people in the world of mad max 
do not ever encounter the like road warriors. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like there's a couple of them. You might even hear about them, and they're like stuff of legend. Like I feel that like the sum to- like when you see those battles going down in Mad Max, that's all of the battle cars like in Australia. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like this is happening a hundred times over. Constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, because in my fantasy land, that was happening nonstop (laughs) 24-7 everywhere. Mad Max was one of a thousand guys just like him making trouble for one of ten million different packs of equally preposterously named and costumed warriors. As it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But that's it. That that was always my my kind of take on it, was that there was just such a small... Like I mean, like they even they even kind of how much how much more boring that fantasy is. Like in me, there's like four hundred Thunderdomes, each one more preposterously <laughs> named. Nope. Yeah, but I mean, and and I mean, that there's even that a little bit in Fury Road, right? Uh-huh. Like where there's like the the steering wheels are all like kept aside. Like it's like driving is like it's expensive, and it's it's an yeah. ex- it's like a special occasion to be like light the war things and you're yeah. like oh snap we're getting in our cars and we're gonna go mm-hmm. like they're not just like they're not just driving around for any old ass for right? any reason yeah i mean yeah. even uh at beginning of beyond thunderdome uh max is getting his car towed by horses or camels mm-hmm. or whatever like he's not driving he has his car like saddled up right. to to a thing so he's like yeah if i'm not traveling fast why, why would, would i you be, waste the gas why mm-hmm. would i waste fuel on this so anyway Yep. This is, uh, you know, the mandatory 925.cc talks about Mad Max portion of we, the podcast. We almost had a 10-minute period where it did not occur. Um, so What's yeah, happening? So it, I mean... Other than Scott being uh, uh Scott being sick. ill. And I'm kind of sad we're not getting to talk about movies because I, I was really excited to talk about that. And his crappy his movie. His crappy movie. Yeah. Man, I, I had read about what a piece of shit that was. And I don't know if you remember, we saw another Gerard Depardieu hit piece. Yeah, you, yeah we, talk, we talked about this last uh, yeah. last episode a little bit, but like, which we said that may have been like atonement for, for this doing one. this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like maybe he was like, oh, wait. I don't think that's the case. I think Gerard is really poor. He's like notorious, right? He left France when, when they raised their tax rate and got in all kinds of trouble for, mm-hmm. for I don't know, whatever, bailing on the French people. Mm-hmm. But um, I think he's been doing little shitty things like this for a long time. I mean, well, little shitty things, I'm sure that like go crazy. How much money does he bills? get? Who knows? Man, his, Dude, his, his, money? his Cyrano was a fucking yeah. masterpiece. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, the, I mean, do you want to talk about the Quebec government kind of being the worst? I don't know. What are we, what's the Quebec government yeah, that's doing? The, what the, 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 the sneak attack that they uh, – a late-night bill that got past the um, the religious – The ban on all religious iconography yeah, and things. Exactly, are it. we not happy with religious being kicked out of our national assembly? I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, but it's not just that, right? It's if you're a cop, you can't wear, uh, like, your own headgear. And I stuff. don't know, man. I think there's an argument that says that that's good. Maybe, but and I, I don't think it's not. it's not a discriminatory one. I think it kind of is. I don't know. Does I mean, cha- maybe does, the... does it in any way impede you from doing your job? It's not a question of doing I, your job. It is a question of doing your job. I don't think it is. I think there's more of a question than that. I mean, there is. There are other right? questions. There's, there's that. like people from other countries for whom any religious insignia is a, a, a symbol of oppression and torture, mm-hmm. and we want yeah. our people here in Canada to be neutral. I think our government officials should all be neutral in matters of religion mm-hmm. at all times. So, um, also, and seeing a person in a position of authority displaying a religious symbol which is opposed to one which you hold true can be offensive mm-hmm. so i think that's okay so that's one bill right yeah, okay that was the the bill that uh, prohibits the religious wearing of religious symbols by uh, state employees in a position of authority okay right which yeah. includes which includes cops and whatever sure, else sure. which and i mean and everybody's al- already saying of like what about that cross around your neck that you wear inside and if you can't see it is that okay but you're like but no because of what if you never do see it you know what I mean? Well, like, if you don't, I, I mean, I think that's okay. I think you should not have any religious symbols of any sort because the Canadian government should be neutral to all these right. things. But I don't know. I don't necessarily consider uh, like religious head covering to be religious symbols. Like I don't. That's know, a tough one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, like, I was like, do you want to rock like a giant like star of David around your neck? Weird. Do you want to wear a yarmulke? Different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I like, do. Is a cop wearing a yarmulke like it is a religious paraphernalia, but it's not necessarily a symbol, symbol. of the religion. It's a really tough one, and that's that's where I, that's where yeah. I get like kind of weirded out about it. Where I'm like, you are in no way changing my ability to recognize that you are a policeman by having a yarmulke on, you know, as an example, or to have a turban on, or whatever. But like, the, the point is not whether or not you can do your job. The point is that I, I want and I expect that the Canadian government should be neutral in all forms sure. of this stuff. And if you come from a country where you've been oppressed by another the religion, police? well. <laughs> But that, okay, I know you can't. <laughs> you know, like that's that's what I'm saying. It's you're like, right, like, but if we're going to write rules, right. we should write them so that they're fair and that they they're they're well intentioned from the beginning. And, sure. And but. I think in all things, the government should be neutral sure. for this. So that's one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which I mean, which I think that you can you can make that argument. I think that's it's it's a reasonable argument to make that you want your position of authority to be completely neutral. Yeah. Is that how it's going to be? And it's on top of that too. There's like a weird like provision for how they're going to like monitor it and stuff like that. Which I'm like, is that go- and that's obviously my first question. I'm like, is that actually going to be applied fairly across yeah. the board, or are we just going to pick up on Middle Eastern religions? You know, like yeah, because eh, yeah. that's that's a whole other thing. I guess more troubling than that, though, um, is that um, due to they're imposing a new values test on immigration, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever that means, right. and in the process, uh, throw throughout roughly sixteen thousand applications affecting eighteen thousand people who were like in the middle of their application process because of that values and test. What's what is it? Do you have questions from the values test? I I don't. Oh, I mean, man, I would love to, but. But yeah, so if you are had an uh, application on the go, yeah, garbage. And like these applications are not fast things. So eighteen thousand people, sixteen thousand applications thrown out, rejected because they didn't have a uh, values test, which was not in place when they started the process. That's fucking awful. And that, I mean, to me, that's kind of the worst one. Like, because there is, a, like I said, there is a conversation I think about the, the mm-hmm. iconography, whatever. But I'm like, you're throwing out applications of immigrants. Because of a values test that you just decided to introduce, that they did extremely shitty. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, that's pretty shitty. And it's like like they're like taken together. The legislation sends a very loud, not welcome message to a lot of citizens, both established cultural minorities and those who were hoping to join like the province, who have mm. application processes on the go. I don't know. It's weird. So anyway, so the uh, state officials impacted include police officers, judges, government lawyers, jail guards, and. One of the ones that are most controversy behind is teachers, right? Right, where it's like, how, like, you know, like it does kind of fall into a. You usually don't view a teacher as a symbol of the state. I absolutely disagree very strongly. I absolutely see teachers as being a an important symbol of authority that people don't symbol respect. Of authority, certainly. Just how much it goes into your mind and into your body, and I think the Christian church benefited greatly from having oh, priests yeah. over the years. Papa, whatever, was in charge of everything. He taught you everything. Mm-hmm. He kept your soul safe. And, uh, and it, uh, it is offensive to me that teachers should be able to display symbols of their religion. The argument that uh, a head covering is not a symbol of your religion is a fucking good one, though. Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily and even our christian women for a very long mm-hmm. time had to wear head coverings right mm-hmm. like especially nuns but for many many years it was the same mm-hmm. for that's a tough one so i said yeah sikh turbans uh, jewish kippahs muslim veils and christian crosses are all like named yeah within yeah. them so like prominently displayed either ones but like i said i find it weird like mm-hmm. like and again i could kind of like not to say but i was like you can kind of make the understanding of like a veil being a little bit peculiar potentially as someone because you can't see their face and it's like yeah. a, it's weird if someone's yelling at you and you can't see their face but I'm like but like turbans and kippahs like you know I'm like it's weird because it's not like, it's, it's funny because it isn't and it is you know like yeah. there's nobody nobody wears a kippah who is not Jewish right similar yeah. with like the people will wear turbans but the same thing with the Sikh turban I don't know yeah. Right. Uh, it is, like I said, it's very, very strange. Yeah. But yeah, no, but, and then also, yeah, the throwing out of the, uh, of the 16,000 applications I right. is also kind of garbage. So, hooray. This yeah, well, we I mean, we, you know, we expected, kind of expected this out of mm-hmm. these guys. They, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, we, we were, obviously, I was at a, uh, at an, at an unbelievably kind of inclusive event, obviously, over the weekend, there was the... WFTDA uh, oh, yeah. How was that? sanctioned uh, Georgia W. Tush tournament. Yep. Uh, three. It was. It was just like just a just a rando tournament. No. Uh, well, it's a what they call like a WFTDA sanctioned tournament, which means that it's like a bunch of uh, WFTDA, which is like the NHL of roller derby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so A teams playing against each other, but then they also brought in some B travel teams and some uh, juniors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, but it's like because what happens now is in order to have your ranking kind of up to date. Um, you need to play like a certain number of sanctioned games, mm-hmm. and then they take they look at like point differentials and points weights depending on like if you're a tenth ranked team playing a two ranked team, your points matter more for the tenth ranked than the second ranked. Sure, it's presumed sure, sure, that sure. the second rank is gonna like mop the floor with the tenth. I rank. guess all of this is because there's like it's there's not really a full circuit to have there every team play. There every isn't team. a full circuit, and it basically it facil- like so you see more and more of these like big kind of weekend long tournaments where you'll have like five or six teams will come and play each other. All right. at the same time. So they just need to travel to one spot instead of traveling to it. Like, like we had uh, – there were teams from 
let's see, there was New York, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, St. Louis, Montreal, obviously, is the host yeah. nation, uh, Helsinki, and Australia. Helsinki. Yeah, yeah. Like, Australia is, like, literally the number two, number two, number three, depending on the day. They, they trade back and forth with Gotham, ranked, huh. not Helsinki, Victorian, Australia, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is, like, the num- one of the number two, number three ranked teams hmm. in the world right now and it's like they need to just fucking constantly travel to keep their points to up keep their yeah. points up and to keep it whatever because if they play against like the other leagues in that area like uh most of the south pacific leagues are just like bottom leagues and whatever so they like always need to like travel to europe or hmm. north america and Boy, uh, that's rough yeah they um i mean how much money these girls got to spend flying across the atlantic over and over yeah, in the pacific yeah. for sure but i mean at the like it's one of those weird things where we talked about how like the sport because grows so differently than we're like because like most of the time we see sports growing uh but we see them like we know from history mm-hmm. like hockey <laughs> like or what or baseball or whatever started off from like a couple of cities nearby yeah but i guess like because of the internet and stuff like the phenomenon the fad of roller derby like picked up globally kind of all over the place mm-hmm. so like very like i said very kind of early on london uh, became a very good team when Europe was not competitive, but London got good because they got in a little bit earlier, so they were flying over all the time. Same thing, too, with now we see this in Australia. So it's, uh, it's a weird thing that you're like, yeah, like it, would, it would not have happened 100 years ago sure. that this one... That also, team- women getting together and smashing into each other and being engaged in physical things. <laughs> a league of their own says otherwise. Uh-huh. <laughs> the world has taught me about... That, you know, there's pro baseball when the men went to war. <laughs> Could have been pro roller derby. What was the tournament called again? Uh, the Georgia W. Tush Classic. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's named after the uh, the founder of the Montreal Roller Derby League, Georgia W. Tush. We were, like, hanging out with this weekend, Pat and I, and we are just sort of like, hey, do you regret that name choice <laughs> now that a, like, internationally recognized tournament is a pun on George W. Bush that you thought was funny 12 years ago? And that was your, like, skater gnome de plume. She isn't more happy now, now that there's a <laughs> tournament named after her? Mm-hmm. Fucking right. Yeah, the tournament is named after her, absolutely, but that she yeah. just selected Georgia W. Tush as her moniker. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, but yeah, yeah, so yeah. obviously kind of hanging out in a, in a very, very uh, inclusive, kind of like open-minded sure. environment was just sort of like the exact opposite of that. And then when you read that you're just throwing out applications and stuff, you're like, man, I was like, every now and then when you're like, hey, society is getting to somewhere, and then you're like, no, though, I don't... Well, Come on. I, I don't know. I feel I like I so I get why it's happening, I think like sociologically speaking. Like like xenophobia as a as a like as a driving motivator, I can get my head around, right? You're like people are coming who are not like me and I don't like that. Like it's almost a normal it's a normal reaction. Of like, course it is. Like if a bunch of people come into your house and they don't share any of your values or opinions, you're gonna be like, get out of my house. Right. Like and like kind of like xenophobic and Islamophobia and all that other stuff. It's sort of like I think it's just like it's a gross extension of that. But it also I feel that we should be a little more rational and be able to like override that knee jerk reaction. You know what I mean? Like to You're talking like, about civilization, overriding our base instincts. Right. right. But We're, I mean everybody's on a different different path along that scale. Not I get everybody it. Is but it seems like it's weird to me that you're like that you had like a civil rights situation like coming up on what like 60 years now and then you still have this stuff like you know what I mean like it seems weird that like I think that you can kind of see the direction to go and then just be like no like I was watching this thing <laughs> watching this thing I was watching hot ones mm-hmm. do you know hot ones um people eat spicy wings on yeah I tried not to watch it cuz I, I felt like it was like people I like advertising hot wings at me and I don't give a shit well it's it's interesting because they actually do like little interviews as they are forced to eat the hot right, wings and right. then they eventually cry and scream. So like okay. they, like they like the last sauce that they put on is like a two million Scoville right. deal, like which is barely fit for human consumption. I don't know why you would put that in your mouth. It's very dumb. But anyway, so I watched the Trevor Noah one that just came out okay. uh, this week, and he was talking about um, how he felt that. The racism that because he just his book is called uh, Born a Crime, mm-hmm. right? Because he has a, uh, a black mother and a white father, I mm-hmm. believe is the the mix. And he was like he was born like during apartheid, so he was like it was literally what happened between his parents was mm-hmm. a crime, like punishable by up to five years in jail, like whatever. So he's like, but he was like he's like I find that he's like if I he's like obviously I'd love to live in a world without racism, but he's like I find South African racism easier to deal with. 
because mm-hmm. he's like, it's at least honest. I can be like, hello, racism. This is how I deal with it. He's like, this weird, like, I'm not racist, but you know, some black people, he's like, that's way worse. Mm-hmm. He's like that weird, like, under the carpet racism, because he's like, because that under the carpet racism can, like, turn into torch burning at, like, the drop of a hat, whereas it's not, like, organized. He's like, if I had to deal with racism, having organized and legislated racism is almost easier to deal with than this weird, like, denial racism that like kind of i think permeates in a lot of the world uh i mean like i'm not racist but then you are you're just not honest about it so you just catch people off guard it's i was like it was a weird point like a weird topic that i was like huh i was like i don't know which one is worse but he was like i would rather deal with it in my face uh i couldn't agree more i i think the the, all of the censorship we have happening online now is is like terrible it's Mm -hmm. it it allows people to hide their and and like forces people to hide kind of you know when when you when you have a circumstance where somebody says something that could be interpreted as being racist but also maybe they had a point they just didn't really explain it out really properly you know they made a stupid tweet while they were drunk and then all of a sudden people start to crucify them like that event other people who might be struggling with their own beliefs are now going to be afraid to talk about it. Yeah. And they're going to think like, oh shit, well, you say anything about this, you get jumped on. Yeah. Well, and then, that, that was kind of what like, Trevor Noah was saying. He's like, yeah. it, was, it was like, subsequently, it was easier to have a conversation. Yeah. Because you could sit down and be like, so you think that my mom should not have loved my father. And I know that. Yeah. <laughs> like, now let's have a conversation. Like, it's not like, oh, I think that your mom and your dad shouldn't have hooked up, but I won't say it because I don't know what you might think. Like, it's much easier to get all of a sudden to the meat of the, like, so why do you think that? Right. As opposed to a person potentially lying to you and saying that they don't think that when they secretly Absolutely. do. Yeah. I, don't know. It was like, I was like, it was interesting. And a little more uh, thought-provoking than I thought Trevor Noah eating hot sauce was going to be. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I have not been fair to any of those videos. I thought it was a dumb concept and didn't watch any of them. Oh. No, I mean, they're, I, I don't know how they necessarily started, but, like, in recent times, because like, he does, like, kind of legitimate interviewing mm-hmm. while it happens. Is there, is, like, a brand of hot sauce he's advertising the whole way through? Uh, not the whole way through. Right. It, no, 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 I'm just saying, like, like there's the, the main one, there's, like, the main brand, which is, like, the one that makes two million Scovilles, whatever, mm-hmm. is always, that's always the last one. Yeah. But apparently there aren't many hot sauces on the market that hot anyway. No. Which no. is fine. And then usually the other, there's usually, like, one kind of, like, featured brand, mm-hmm. and then the other brands are sort of all over the place. But it's not, like, every hot sauce that they have like sometimes they'll have like this hot sauce from a small thing so they're also kind of doing a little product placement for some of the small hot okay sauce it's still products. an advertisement for hot sauce right and then listening to somebody eat it maybe somebody that you want to talk to i don't know man i mean but it's just like it's the same thing as like i feel that it's just like it's an organized like i you know watch people not advertising just like do like the ghost pepper challenge or whatever it's also i think kind of fun to see celebrities like undone i guess like like to yeah. see like, like like gordon ramsay whatever like crying and eating to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like, like there is that, that is also one of the payoffs. That's kind of fun. I guess so. Speaking of going to the bathroom, just to finish up on that, uh, oh boy. On, on the hot one, on the hot ones thing, Trevor Noah talked about how he was like, he's like, he has a whole bit about going to the bathroom. Yeah. Cause obviously, cause he kind of, like, cause he obviously does. Cause he's a person. Yeah, exactly. But that's what he was saying. He's like, he's like, he's like, you're no matter what you've done in your life and no matter like who you are, no matter how uh-huh. you present yourself to the world, he's like, you are definitely like. You are your true self, and you are honest with yourself when you're taking a shit. He was like, everybody does it. It's unavoidable. We all do it in basically the same position, uh-huh. and the same biological function is happening. There's, like, fancier ways or fancier things to sit on, but you're still sitting there and taking a shit. Sure. And, and then he's just sort of like, and then when something is, like, going wrong in that process, like, the, the experience, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you find out about yourself. He's like, like people who, like, don't necessarily believe in God might start praying a little, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and like whatever. And then you're like, in that moment, you are true to yourself. And maybe you're not an atheist if you're praying to God while something is going wrong on the toilet. Like, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was also, I thought it was a funny thing. And I was like, man, abs-. I, like, I was like, especially when something's going real wrong mm-hmm. on the toilet, I feel you have like, you're quite honest. <laughs> like in, in that moment, mm-hmm. you're just sort of like, you the like, edge of the volcano, yeah. so to speak. It almost like, because there are times, like when I had gastro in January, mm-hmm. where I obviously don't know what dying feels like, but like enough of enough is going wrong with your body that like your brain is starting to be like, you might be dying, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it's not like completely irrational. It's like you can barely breathe. You're like crying. I was like expelling. You from- went to go talk to somebody about this gastro, yeah? What? You got you got like medical assistance. Usually, if you're considering death. Not, not, not considering death, not... but I'm saying, but like in that moment, like it passes, like it wasn't like 
two days of that. But in that moment of like where everything is coming out of both ends and whatever. I want to go back this mm-hmm. moment here where we have to listen to you talk about mm-hmm. things exiting both of your ends. Mm-hmm. I'm blaming hot takes on, the, on this. Hot ones. Hot ones. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want. I didn't want this, and I still don't want this. Anyway, uh-huh. but yeah, where but like where your brain goes into survival mode uh-huh. and is basically like, is this death? And I'm like, weird. Uh huh. So what were you been thinking about, John? <laughs> did you see John Wick three yet? I did not. No. I didn't even see John Wick two. What? Yep. You know what I did see though? What? I did see Baby Driver. Yeah. Oh finally. my sweet fucking god, was that a good movie? Well, I, all those idiots talking about how it was bad, they were wrong. I mean, oh, hang on. They were so wrong. It is a masterpiece of editing. Absolutely. And but to say it's a good movie, it's it's a very linear movie. I mean, it's, it's a, a simple- masterpiece of like editing and yeah, but, choreographing and but that's like saying like my terminator movie terminator 2 didn't have a good romance like this was not about creating a, a beautiful story this was about putting cars and making them go to music and then <laughs> putting people doing things to music yeah. and putting great fucking tunes like yeah th- is it like believable that the characters all switched over to be on baby's side fuck no but yeah. that's like the point of it was it was like a feel good Right, action movie, you know? But, I mean, but I think that, like, when I watched it, thoroughly entertained, and yeah. absolutely d- d- do not want to take a single thing away from Edgar Wright as a director yeah. and yeah. whatever, because, like I said, it is, like, as a, a piece of choreographed action... Yeah. It's like a ballet, almost. Insane. In a, it's, like yeah. a, it's complete insanity. And I don't. And it's ambitious. I don't know. I can't think of a lot of movies. Anybody else who's tried to do something like this for as long as it happens in the movie, you and know, like repeatedly. one little take, you could be like, "Oh shit!" It'd be the center point to a film. But yeah, in yeah, this, yeah. it's like you have one of the opening sequence, and then he's right back into it when he goes to get coffee. Yeah, you know? yeah it's exactly. Like, that's it. it was so good. I finished it on Friday, mm-hmm. and then I woke up on Saturday and I watched it again. Yeah. I was so excited. It's extremely good. But I'm saying, but yeah. like. With that removed, it kind of becomes pedestrian. Of course it is. What, this, and this, and, like, and yeah. that, that's why, like, in a weird way, I kind of, like, have a hard time necessarily lauding it a ton. Because I'm mm. like, Avatar is, at least at the time, one of the most visually stunning things you've ever seen. But I'm like, but it was kind of, eh, like, otherwise. And I'm like, so Baby Driver, yeah. I would put above Avatar. Because it, it, it was, like, I think it was more artful. Yes, it was. In its execution. But it was, it's still one of those things where it was, like, what it did, it did probably better than any mo- movie ever. Mm-hmm. But then another, a lot of other things that I look to in a good movie are just kind of absent. Such as? Like, such as believable characters, dialogue, storyline, you know, like, motivations. Huh. Like, there's just, like, a, a lot of nothing kind of, like, hmm. nothing really comes together super well. Like you said, In the, terms of? Like, well, the character, like, just, like, why is even that girl into Baby? Like, you know, like, like there's, like, a ton of stuff... That is, like, very important to the film. Yeah. That it's just, like, it's there because a girl has to be into baby. That's... But, like, you know, it, 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 it even expressly says that in the film, right? He, yeah, like, yeah, he even mean, refers to her as, like, the girl. Yeah. And then I met the girl or something like that. There's, like, a, there's like a point where they're, they're, like, super clear about that. Yeah, but just... And even... I, um, what's his face? Uh, Kevin Spacey's character flipping and going on his side at the end. It's funny. When I was watching it, I was like, of course this is going to happen. Yeah. You know? Because the guy gets the girl and the whatever, you know? Yeah, which is... Yeah. Again, like I said, it's fine, but yeah. because that, and I mean, I don't say it would like it's bad, but yeah. all of that was just like pedestrian. Huh. Like outside of the choreographed action scenes, it was like a pedestrian action movie. If it didn't have that, you'd watch it and you'd be like, "Why did I even bother?" Interesting. You know what I mean? Like if you remove the choreographed action scenes, you'd be like, "This was like a almost straight to DVD." What's What's funny though is that I I include the romance in the choreography of the action scenes. Like, it was it was so formulaic. It happened so exactly by the numbers and so just, like, um, I don't even know what the word would be for how these scenes... So, f- formulaic is probably it. Like, everything just happens Absolutely. by the it's numbers. Super formulaic. But, like, it's doing it with, like, a knowing wink, you know? And Nash. it's Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the point of the film. I guess. I think the other point was giving the big fucking finger to um, Nicholas Winding Refn. Who's Nicholas Winding Refn? The director of Drive. Because he has he has the character do the I'm too cool, cooler than school, like no face, no expression, yeah. whatever. But then he also has heart in the sense mm. that that drive, whatever drive character's name was. Also, even the <laughs> scorpion guy. No, but the the thing, one of the things that, that like, and I was like, like you kind of got to be kidding me about this movie was the just sort of like, oh, I like to listen to things and then just sample them together into this cassette situation that also. 
It sounds tremendously like Kid Koala, so I'm <laughs> it sure does. So I'm very, very good at it. Uh-huh. And then you're like, I'm like, what? And then you're like, oh, I have that recorded. I'm like, because of course you do. I was like, like, that's like next level, like MacGuffin nonsense. Like, what do you mean? But just in terms of like, and doesn't I mean you you watched it more recently yeah. than I did? I watched it like a year ago. Doesn't the fact that he has it recorded like prove like to be a crucial thing to like to figure it out or whatever? No, like, no, no, no. They just they catch that he they they I forget why they accidentally listened to one of his tapes. Maybe it was they broke into his house and they found the tapes. Right. But he was always just recording stuff randomly and screwing with it. But I thought they I thought they found that then he had to go through and find the tape or whatever that had the thing to find out like a crucial bit of information. I don't think there was a piece of information linked. No. It was just that it came out, and then of course it's a bunch of criminals being like, "What the fuck? Right. You're recording?" Yeah. This. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Maybe I was yeah. just like, why did you think this was a good idea, baby? You big dum-dum. Because he's a big dum-dum. <laughs> like, I, 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 I was into it. And, I, like, yeah, it was kind of goofy that he was all good at that. What was kind of cool is Debbie actually knew, knows Kid Koala. Yeah. She, she was buddies with him. And he actually mentioned going and putting together this whole thing. Yeah. He was all super happy with it. Oh, but sure. um, it's, it's, a, it's a fun little cut-together track. Like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and it yeah. has the, the, what do you call it? The chase me with the uh, the run the jewels kind of like sample from the John Spencer Blues Explosion mm-hmm. song. Dude, the music was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, the, the whole music, way through. The music is amazing. But yeah, yeah. The, the, oh, what's the original John Spencer Blues Explosion one? Like the down down like I don't remember. Both that. versions play in the film. Yeah, both the the run the jewels. Yep. rapping version and the uh, and some weird remix of Tequila. I had never heard yeah. before. I remember I went on Google Play and I put together the, the playlist. The playlist because yeah. uh, it does not exist. Really? Yep. I mean, there's the soundtrack, but the soundtrack I think is like missing like 30 songs or whatever. <laughs> so they might have had just like because I think it was like that thing that happened with Empire Records. Yeah. Where they can get the rights to the song for the movie, but not necessarily the distribution rights to like sell it as right. a soundtrack. Right. 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 Yeah, did we we ranked Baby Driver? Do you want to? I'm you not take sure. A, I'm not sure that we did. I feel we definitely ranked it. Do you want to take a look? Man, I think when you were when you were talking about it, you really severely undersold it. I think you thought I was going to be like super turned off by the like the emotionality of some of the senses, some of the scenes. I, I don't know if I would necessarily undersold it. I just I think that it was like I and like sitting down and watching it, I was having a real real good time. It was yeah. just like as I like let it marinate within my movie psyche, I was like. Right, but like deduct that and it's like, funny. What do you have? I I actually like I you're you're totally right that like the the stuff that was not action was kind of unbelievable caricature, mm-hmm. you know. But I I really thought that was the point. What's his face? The guy who plays um uh, Punisher. He has a scene like he, the very first time when he's on the screen and he's not like in criminal mode they're yeah. like doing the like decompress back in front of mm-hmm. um, Kevin Spacey and he has like a bunch of lines where he's like well baby what do you believe yeah. in are you gonna be the whatever you know and it's yeah. just it's so corny and over the top you know it's not it's not it's like being done to set the stage for what is the film gonna be about and so I kind of like forgave the bad dialogue because it was theatrical it's in, like are in that you- case I feel that we have it very well ranked yeah we have it ranked down at 60 but like if i'm looking at like it's where it's like with top gun and i was like it's kind of it's in a weird way similar oh man it's so much better than top gun though Eh. i mean i I could see it going up but like not too much like same thing too with like like fate and the furious like it's kind of a it's it's similar in a lot of ways to a fast and the furious film yeah it is like different and I would say better, but, and better, yeah. but like in a very like around Deadpool sneakers. Rogue yeah, one. that's like what it, I was thinking. And it wouldn't like go it, much higher than that. But if it's gonna go, it's gonna like I could see I w- it above Ready Player One. So first off, I'm, above Star Wars I'm okay to end this conversation because I want to have Scott to weigh in on this mm-hmm. when if we're gonna re rank. Oh, it, but then Scott might take it down because of Kevin Spacey. Man, but he's so wrong. It's true, fucking <laughs> dirty ass Kevin Spacey. Yeah, the fucking... worst. But. God damn! Did he do nothing in this movie? Like yeah. he had, he had a couple of snippy bits of dialogue, but he could have been replaced with any other fast talking. Yeah, I wish that his scandal had happened a little sooner, so yeah. maybe he could have done. Who? Because what did they do with it? The what do you mean? Cause it was Kevin Spacey that got cut out of a movie, and then the guy that replaced him won was the Oscar. Was so good. Well, really? yeah, yeah. This is like recent. Huh. Like it was like a project with Kevin Spacey. The all the Kevin Spacey stuff went down, and they were like almost halfway through production, but then like. Wow. Apparently the director, whatever I think it was Kevin Spacey, like looked at the script and then was like, "No, no, I can fix this anyway. Cut him, get out." Yeah, <laughs> like and just like and then just like did it, but like yeah, cut all the scenes, cut everything. I'm gonna look this up. Well, cut. anyway, I'm gonna we can step back from this, but I, I like even if we only bumped it up a little bit to uh, like the Deadpool, like this, mm-hmm. that being lower than Deadpool, man, that hurts. So yeah, so Kevin Spacey was um, cut out of a film and replaced by Christopher Plummer. Huh. And it was. And the film was- 
the film was it was Ridley Scoot Ridley Scoot <laughs> Ridley, Ridley Scoot Ridley Scoot Ridley Scott reshooting uh, all of the disgraced actor scene using Christopher Plummer again and uh, instead and the film was it was the J Paul Getty biopic huh which was called I cannot seem to remember well still didn't see it all the money in the world and did all the money in the world win an Oscar this is what I want to find out. Well, the money in the world. Uh, I don't know about that, and I don't care about Kevin Spacey, but holy shit, Baby Driver, fun. It was de- He was nominated for Best Actor, and Kevin, uh, I don't think he won. He was nominated for the, a role in the Best Supporting Role, but I was like, but still, right. like, I was like, that's a hilarious slap in the face mm-hmm. to be like, I'm, I'm the relief pitcher, and now I got nominated for an Oscar. Sports. Yeah. We had sports news. Did we? Yeah. Is it because the uh, Raptors won the... Uh, yep. What, is that a spoiler? What? <laughs> you can't stay like spoiler free in the world of sports. They're literally like we record this on Monday. There was yeah. they literally Toronto. Most people did not work today because of the parade. Like that's fucking crazy weird. It is not. Do you know how few people would be here on parade day when the Habs won the Stanley Cup? It would be like yeah, but it's hockey with a storied tradition. Whereas the Raptors, the is first a, ever NBA final championship. Go on, won in go the on, keep remind me how many Canadians on that team? One, one. Gary Boucher. Oh. I thought you said none. In none, the, none on the active roster in the I finals. See, of course. But I'm just saying. But that. But I mean. But it's like it's basketball. You play five guys. Like you have twenty some odd people in the roster, and you play five or six. Like it's like right. if in hockey you could only play your top line. Do you know how many fewer like non Canadians would be playing hockey if you only had top line players? I, we'd still have a couple. There would be some, yeah. but not many. And right. and like I said, there is in fact one. Okay. <laughs> like there isn't one person on the roster from the Raptors um, who like played real minutes and is probably going to end up being. Like a reasonable player, like he's not just a. So what's the fallout? Are we going to get a Montreal team? You think I that, mean, is there space in the? I. It's weird. Basketball has the like suffers from the thing where the season occurs at the exact same time as hockey, right? Which is kind of becomes a losing proposition in a town like that Montreal, is, as like hockey centric as Montreal. Like I was like, I feel that we're more likely to get a baseball team before. A, Hmm. basketball team because which they're making a lot of noise about yeah exactly but i mean but i think that this definitely opens up the possibility to a basketball team Mm -hmm. in other countries and whatever like i mean like i don't know if you saw so they kept peel uh peel was shut down for the grand prix weekend Mm -hmm. and they just like kept the street shut down to turn it into what they call like jurassic park which uh-huh. is the uh, the area outside of the arena where everyone was watching the playoffs? But then, like Jurassic Parks started opening up all uh, all over Canada and whatever, like various parks and stuff where they were playing the games hmm. outside and free, so you could uh, kind of enjoy the the atmosphere and stuff. So yeah, they kept down Peel Street, kind of closed down, and it's like and it was like between Renee Levesque and Saint Catherine, just like mashed with people Crazy. who were out there to watch the game. Well, like, does on that the way translate here, to eighty two games or whatever, or forty some odd home games of put, pitting people in the arena? Eh, it's who knows? the Monday afternoon, right? And mm-hmm. on the way here, I want to say I saw five Raptors shirts. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy. Like they're they're all over. Yeah, and today's Parade Day. Also, yeah. like like yeah. the, today's the the big uh, the the celebration. But yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. I still I got the, I, this is the most basketball I've watched in quite some time. Was it I, good? Was it fun? I mean, it's basketball. Like you say I, that I don't know what I'm that sa- means. I'm, I'm never sad watched... that Scott isn't here to defend the position. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we, we kind of we had this back. Let's and forth. shit all over basketball and then get him to listen to this. Email. Uh-huh. I was like, basketball, even as designed, like there's so many things that are foul, and there's so many things where it becomes almost advantageous to draw a foul, and then it's or. Like so, here's what happened. You watched? Did you watch any of it? Fuck, not okay. a split. Second. So the la- like in the last stretch of the game, like talking to a number of people uh, over the weekend mm-hmm. who had watched the game and were like, "What happened?" <laughs> and the- so there's 0.9 seconds on the clock. Uh, Raptors player goes for a layup and gets fouled, and then puts like two points o- up on the board, and then it's the end of the game. Right. And then like this is and this is like so now it's four, four points under. Well, he's two points. They're like, now I think the, the Raptors are by two points, right. and they've won the game. And then like the referees are like, no, 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 no. Everybody get back up here. You were fouled, so you also need to take a free throw, uh-huh. right? Which is – so the thing that will happen, though, like it's an unbelievably small chance, but they're up by two points. Yeah. He could theoretically miss that free throw because a free throw happens with no time on the clock. And in the point nine seconds – if the Golden State Warriors grabbed the ball and chucked it down the thing, which does happen from time to time, sure. and hit a three-pointer, they would have won. Right. right. So that was the play? 
take well, the penalty, uh, hope well, that he misses the, the shot, and then do your three-point. Right, but I'm like, but that's kind of messed up, right? Because if you yep. didn't foul him, the time like the time had run and a buzzer went off, but they're like, no, because he got fouled at .9 seconds. You yeah. did get those two points, but now it's a free throw. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, And I was like, what? <clears throat> yeah, we that? talked about it. It's like when, when the rules are, make it advantageous for you to take a penalty, mm-hmm. there's a problem with the rules. <laughs> yeah, like you made, it, you made yeah. a weird sport when it is like – because there's always going to be – advantages to taking a penalty like i mean like there's going to be well not always um, not always but there's always going to be the possibility of having an advantage right like hooking a guy on a breakaway you're like okay he's on a breakaway and he's going to probably get a shot off if i hook him say in the neutral zone i'm just going to get a two-minute power play versus whatever if i hook him say in the offensive zone it might become a penalty shot but then my goal is going to have more time to prepare so it's like sure there's a number of reasons why you might want to like hook a player and like consciously, right, right, right. But but like a two minute penalty is probably going to have a higher chance of a goal going in than or a on, a, on a single breakaway. Yeah, right? yeah. or a penalty penalty shot's going to have a higher chance of it going in than a yeah. breakaway. So like there, in that case, it's not that crazy. But in this case, it sounds like it's it's a, it's full manipulation of the clock and yeah, whatever. Like yeah. I get it, it is strategically advantageous. It's not just like circumstantially advantageous. It right. is strategically advantageous to manage the clock by like taking the correct penalties at the right time. So this happened in the game. The final game, final game. game. Yeah. But then, so are there other things like this that are happening constantly? In yeah, basketball? all the time. Like, all, like basically, that's the fourth period. Of, really, like, it's people gaming the system. People too. gaming the system, and like either either trying to run the clock or save the clock or draw draw penalties so that they can regain possession and have the clock stop and like right. whatever. Like it be it is part of the game at this point, and it's part of the strategy. Which I mean, like, is fine, and I can like respect the manipulation of the rules. It's not sure. like the players didn't make the rules. You know, like you're going to use the rule set to your advantage. That's that's normal, but the fact that you know what I mean. But I'm like, but the fact that are you joking me right now, dog? <laughs> like the fact that she doesn't like basketball. Apparently penalties. not. I'm like, I'm trying to play with her as we record. I know. I'm watching this thing go with my eyes wide. I hope. I hope the listener is getting into this experience. There's yeah. an there's a frisky dog here looking exactly. to have some fun. And she's very like she was not feeling good this morning. And yeah, now she's feeling like energized, feeling better and energized. But yeah, exactly. That's yeah. it. Like I so I in in no like it's not the players fault and to not take advantage of the rule set would be is stupid I, but it's but it's totally but the fact that, true but the fact that the rule set like encourages and rewards it you know what i mean like yeah. like you're like maybe and you're like it's so much of the rule set that you couldn't i don't think just like reverse it i guess us conspiracy theorists can eat our hats at the game's ending in six rather than seven mm-hmm. there was uh you know if they were trying to stretch these bad boys out yep. a lot of money went down the tubes not having a game seven yeah well i mean and that and certainly even then, like you're, you're, you. If you were Toronto, you probably want you not to say want. You want to win a championship. Is of what course you, you want to do. Of course. But I'm like, but there's always a lot of people, like even teams that have done it both ways. They're like, mm-hmm. like pref- they're like winning at home is something special. You know, yeah. like like winning and having the entire arena stay there, yeah. and everybody's yeah. like, like just the arena doesn't even empty out for like hours later, and then you go out in the streets and everyone's everybody's partying on your side, or yeah. Versus like. You win in Golden State, they'll give you, like, uh, maybe they'll give you some cheers and applause and watch the thing, and then you just get on a plane and then, like, leave. You yeah. know, like, they're like, so, you want to win, and you're not going to necessarily throw a game to try to get that home win, but, yeah. like, it certainly would have been, I think, more fun for the Raptors to have won at home than it was to have won in California. For sure. You know, so, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, and the NHL finals went to a game seven, so yep. that, was, uh, that, that. Was, that was fun. And Boston didn't win, so hooray, St. Louis! <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah, thanks, because Boston, like everybody, was cheering Boston to eliminate Toronto. Yeah, and then <laughs> and uh, then they did, and then they got beat by St. Louis. So basically, things worked out for the Habs. Everything worked out exactly. That's it. Yeah. A, a team that had never won a Stanley Cup before even got to win a Stanley Cup, and then also not it was not Toronto <laughs> or Boston. <laughs> we were talking about that, like just in terms of like where Toronto and Boston lie. Of like who is most hated at Boston over Toronto, I would say. But so but, but, I'm now, not, but now here's a weird thing. Yes, and so I I've, I go to um, like Batman when I'm making the analogy. Where okay. Batman is obviously the Habs because I'm live in Montreal. But I was like Boston is like the Joker, uh-huh. which is like yes, he is absolutely Batman's arch villain. Arch but as a fan. You're also like, yeah, but it's also the Joker. Like he has like a, <laughs> you know, like he has like a certain level of like swagger. Even though you're like, he is absolutely the like the biggest nemesis to Batman. Yeah. But like even as a fan of Batman, you're kind of like, 
Joker can show up and be like, you can be okay. Sure. Whereas I was like, I would put the Leafs like below that. Whereas like, if the Joker is Boston, yeah, the Leafs are like. Maybe I guess Penguin because he has he's rich, but but also faintly pathetic, and you know? also, in addition, also yeah, in addition and also to a, being little, a, a little shitty. Like yeah. he could, he could be like effective at sometimes or whatever, <laughs> but he's still the penguin. <laughs> but he's still the penguin. Exactly. <laughs> like he's the mayor. Yeah, but he's also the penguin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's I'm glad that Boston didn't win. Yep, Brad Marchand cried, which is <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Taking glee in a grown man. Weeping. But the thing is, is that it's a gl- it's a grown man who takes glee in like screwing with the media and screwing with the fans and being mm-hmm. kind of that like like he's li- the um, there was a, another player that whose name is escaping right now known to who was referred to as the little ball of hate. Okay. Who, like Brad Marchand has become referred to as like the new little ball of hate and whatever. And is like a personality and like whatever. So what does Brad Marchand play? I actually Boston. Boston. He plays. He plays for Boston. He's and, a forward. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. a forward. He used okay. to he used to like just be like a pest and an instigator, and he's gotten like better and better. And he's now like quite a complete, very accomplished player. Huh. But still, he's like the, he's the one that licked a dude's face. Licked a dude in a scrum. Face. He was like and licked a guy's face in a scrum, and everyone's like, "What?" And Dude. like he's just he's just doing that stuff to get a reaction. Totally. So, like, where would I normally take pleasure in watching a man who's incredibly emotionally invested in sport cry? Mm-hmm. Probably not. But when it's that guy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, it's always bummed to see people who you're like you're giving up your you're just, like, I'm sure just like knocking years of usefulness off of your life by like running being an NHL player, right? Like you're just, sure. like, you're scrapping all kinds but of. But how bits much of your money? Body. I mean, I'm, you are you are yeah. making the money, but yeah. I'm just saying. But like, there, there's still a certain amount of like, like exertion and effort that it takes to win a Stanley Cup that I feel is like beyond like money notwithstanding. Like it's a lot easier with the money, but I'm yeah. like even with the money, I feel there's a lot. Like you find out like what's his name. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly was playing with a cracked rib since the first round, and you're like, like what, like, and not I, getting. I, I've read broken ribs are some of the most painful things that there is, and yeah. it's like it's not really debilitating. You can just power through it. Yep, and know. and he yeah. did so, and then also had uh, a the first time in history. Uh, I, it's either it's either only him. I think he might have been tied with Gretzky if it had been three, but he had four. So it was, he, he, no, but he did, he's the only person that scored in game four, five, six, and seven of the Stanley Cup finals. With a cracked rib, dude. (laughs) Like, with like a nagging cracked rib. And he was like, uh, he ended up winning the, um, the Conn Smythe, like the playoff MVP Mm -hmm. award and whatever. Not because, not because he had the cracked rib. Like that award is not a, like a, it's not a charity case. It's like he was the best forward on St. Louis Blues by a wide margin with a cracked rib that he got in Dallas. Like, Two months ago, <laughs> and has not had it properly medically dealt with because he was in the playoffs. That's awesome. Yeah, that like stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, like there's a lot of pe- there's a lot of people that would bail even with the money on the line of just being like, screw this for sure. Like you need to be driven, I think, by like a, a deeper layer of passion. Uh, so what else? What else is going on? Can just round this round this out. Played, I, any, I played any games? Played any games? Not really. Mm-hmm. There's a really exciting uh, Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup tournament that's been going on. Oh, hey oh, I mean, DCSS tournament, uh, which I did not participate in because uh, I'm pretty pathetic. But the um, they do uh, they do like you have to pick the same type of race and class, okay. which is essentially how you decide the difficulty level in Dungeon Crawl. Like the right. dungeons always the same, but you the the balance the races are not balanced against each other. Right. The classes are not balanced, so everybody plays the same one, and then you play online where mm-hmm. all your games are automatically recorded on the servers, cool. and then they just take whoever's gets the highest score using that race and class combination Neat. gets that the maximum number of points for the tournament mm-hmm. for that round, and then there was like five weeks of it, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. And they, they picked like absolutely... When was the, hang on. When was this game initially released? 94 or something? It was yeah. another game called Lindley's Dungeon Crawl. Okay. And then she, or he, I guess, stopped um, stopped maintaining it. And is it is it like continually maintained? Are there like new items and stuff? Oh, like yeah, yeah. Every... So it's like 20 years of active development-ish? Yeah. Yeah, 25 even. Okay. And um, it's like there isn't one developer. It's the Stone Soup part of Dungeon Crawl. So there's okay. like there's like a whole group of devs. There's mm-hmm. like 100 of them or something. Mm-hmm. And then every now and again, they program enough stuff to be released into a release, and it comes out. That's so and weird. it's like, it's big stuff, too. They change like new, not just new races and classes, which is kind of to be expected, but they change, you know, um, the mathematics that goes into some of the dungeon layouts. Oh, so so they, they rebalance some of the, the rogue elements or whatever. Yeah. Stuff. yeah That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's like, I mean, that's like, that's some it's next level awesome. nerd stuff. Like, oh, yeah. like in a good way, like where you're just sort of like, yeah, we're just going to, like to, to have done something that's compelling enough that like there's still like an, a pretty big active player base. Oh, for sure. You know, like now, a, like, I'm sure it's not more than a thousand people or like 
10,000 maybe worldwide. I would, yeah. Apparently, I would. the Japans and Korea have enormous population bases. Yeah. Because it's an insanely hard game that yeah. you, you like only weird, weirdos on the internet want to play. Mm-hmm. And um, they every now and again, they get together and they make a post about a change that was in the game. Mm-hmm. And you can always see in the forums, it's like, hello, we are from Korea's server. <laughs> you know, yeah. We, we want to say thank you for this, whatever, yeah, the yeah. change. Because they, uh, they don't always get the communications back and like the main dev team is all English. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fun. I guess, I mean, we could talk about it, I suppose, a little bit. You must have played the new From game, no? Yeah? Yeah, I played it for a couple hours, and I was not grabbed by it. And um, You even got it, like, on pre-order. I remember you were like, my my charging cable. Yep. (laughs) You know, it happens, and and I've been less less grabbed by action games as the years have gone on and on. Mm -hmm. Like, the games that I play have become more and more exclusively these, like, free roguelikes, Mm -hmm. and so I don't know. The um, it's a it's it's a very tough game mm-hmm. for sure for sure. It's where Dar- Dark Souls often you, you'd have a big fat shield you could hide behind and you could do kind of tanky stuff. In yeah. this, it's like you got your katana, and so it's all like high speed flippies or nothing. Flippies or nothing. Um, and I'm sure that I would I'll get into it eventually. Just mm-hmm. no, but it didn't it didn't grab you. Was it was it like no. a, a setting or whatever? Because you got into Bloodborne real fast. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but Bloodborne was also like Victorian Lovecraftian nonsense, which is like it was like, amazing Victorian, <laughs> straight up, but like it's like straight up real wheelhouse, of, like, yeah, exactly. You know, as opposed to maybe like Honestly, little Japan. I thought that it was just going to be Victorian stuff, and the Lovecraftian horror that got into Bloodborne was a total fucking surprise to me. <laughs> There's a in the game because right, it starts off just like werewolves and vampires exactly. or whatever, but so, then it's like. Elder God, and then and the that. Elder God stuff comes out. Yeah. And what's what's even cooler is if you do very well in the game. Like I don't know if you if you remember Dark Souls or if you played it enough. There's like rare items that you can get that re- return you to being alive. Like normally you're in your soul form, and yeah. then you use one of them and you become alive. Well, there's a, there's an analogous item in um, uh, Bloodborne. Bloodborne called insight okay right the idea being that like you learn more and more about what's going on as you accumulate insight and then you spend your insight bringing you closer to madness mm-hmm. but if you get enough insight you can trigger the reveal about there being lovecraftian monsters involved way ahead of time in the plot you just like all of a sudden you walk out in the streets and you're like oh shit i can see these things now I didn't. I didn't get to there in the plot. I got there by being good. So it was just like all of a sudden I turned a corner, and the whole fucking game that you've been walking through all of a sudden is revealed. The sky is orange. There's giant spider monsters crawling yeah, over yeah. the buildings. It's uh, pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah. So what's it called? The the new one, Feudal Japan. Oh. Um, oh man. Oh, I forget. Uh-oh. Sekiro. Sekiro. Yeah. Sekiro. Yeah. Look, it's um. It, it it definitely has some weird Lovecraftian kind of stuff that I haven't really gotten to the reveal yet. But there's definitely like ghost monster type stuff that's more. Yeah, I mean, than... you you could see that they could easily pull to it from like weird like Japanese folklore yeah. and stuff. And whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of so here's the bit that stopped me. Mm-hmm. You have mini like obviously it's a lot about samurai and doing like samurai type duels, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I ran into a samurai guy who was a kind of like a mid level boss mm-hmm. that came with a bunch of ads. So there's mm-hmm. like four little samurai guys that you can kill by doing a couple hits, mm-hmm. and then there's him. So what what happens? You go, you fight him. Okay, he kills him. All right, not too bad. You come back, you get to him again. You grab one of his ads, you drag him off, you kill the ad, and then you get to him, and he starts the fight aggroed. So okay. you're like, okay, that sucks. Why don't I dra- g- grab the ad, pull him off, jump into the river, swim around the corner. Okay, now it deagros him. And then you, you go back up to the spot. And now he's like very slowly walking back from the point that he deagroed to to his like normal pathing point. Yeah. So you got to wait 10 minutes for him to do that. Okay, mm-hmm. then you go back to the area and then you drag off another one of the ads and you kill it. And, and then is you this realize, the like only way? Or like... I'm sure you could just run in and kill him and kill all the other guys. But like if you've died on him five times, then you're like, okay, I'm going to try and find the other path now. Circumvent it or whatever. By yeah. killing the ads really slowly. And yeah. then you're like, okay, I've just spent 30 minutes dragging ads into a corner to fight this guy, and yeah. now I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go play something yeah, else. That, that yeah, that has always been my experience with from software stuff. Is It's like, yeah. the it's not like, people are like, oh, you know, like punishing games. I'm like, I played a lot of Super Meat Boy, man. <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was like, it's not the punishment, but I was like, Meat Boy has the thing where you're just sort of like, and again, and again, and again. Mm-hmm. And it's like the longest level in Meat Boy is 90 seconds. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe you know, like like that's like. Yeah. And that pacing, I feel I can put up with the like try level 100 times, but mm-hmm. the like the boring downtime of like now walk around and do this and get that and then like find your little where you died and then recuperate. Like it's like the weird, the downtime time sap on some of the From Software stuff. That yeah. That's what sort of put me off of it where I'm like. I but get. It's I, not always like that. Not always, I mean, but I, yeah. but almost everybody I've talked to is they're like, there's parts of the game where that. 
it's not it's not the only way to play the game, mm-hmm. but it, it becomes the like easier way. Like when you're like when totally. something gets challenging, you can circumvent it by doing some like mind numbing time wasting stuff. And I'm like, uh. there's there's a lot of that. So there's there's a boss famously that you you cannot see like you you get to the fog gate. You know you have to go through the fog gate. You get into the boss's room and you fight him. Well, from outside the fog gate, the boss is already spawned. So mm-hmm. if you take like the longbow and you take the little item that extends the range of all your ranged attacks, yeah. you can shoot him with arrows from outside of his room. Yeah. However, at the maximum range of a ra- of a ranged attack, so it'd be like five hundred arrows or whatever. Yeah, like. damage drops by like ninety five percent if you go outside of its max range. So you're doing that five percent damage from your longbow attack. Yeah. So you have to shoot like a thousand arrows into this guy. Yeah. Why do I want to play that? I don't care. I don't yeah. want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That, that's and that that was always kind of what put me off of it. Like I said, I tried the tried Demon Souls. I tried both Dark Souls. I, I think I probably put the most time into Bloodborne. I maybe put yeah. like a good ten. Yeah, I always thought you would get you yeah, would get yeah, into that one if you gave like it 10, time. Ten, fifteen hours into into Bloodborne and stuff. And it's always like, and you also kind of feel it's like one of those games where you're like, I need to at a bare minimum sit down with two or three hours of time on my hands. Yeah, like if you if you play it only in 15-minute bursts, you're going to forget where you're at and you're never going to make yeah, it. Yeah, and you won't even appreciate like the story and For stuff sure. too. Like I remember like when I picked up my save file on Bloodborne or whatever, I was like, eh? I was like, did not know where I was. Like I, I had put it down for like maybe a couple months. Didn't yeah. know where I was, didn't know what the story was. I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Because like the story doesn't even play out in a, any kind of linear way like you're reading Never a does. lot of it you know like and you're reading it from items there are stories someone told about something that you're supposed to assemble together yeah, in exactly. story. That's it. yeah I'm, I'm sure i'm gonna go back to sekiro at some point like i i'm a big enough fan of the studio and miyazaki in general that mm-hmm. like i'm i kind of feel like i yeah, should put, but, put it all together yeah. was there any news out of e3 that uh grabbed your attention i haven't even i mean I the only thing i found out about once again because where i was at this weekend yeah uh, and it's also kind of funny because their studios are right around the corner mm-hmm. that apparently Ubisoft is releasing a Rocket League-style roller derby game. Really? That is not really like roller derby. Like it's more like rollerball, like with uh, James Conn in it, whatever. Where it's like you have to like you spin around on laps, and then one person can score, and then you need to jump through and put a ball huh. through a hoop on a thing. But apparently, it's like it's very kind of like. Rocket League-esque, like, five-minute matches, in and out, super quick, like, physics-based things. So like, we're into the phase where video game people are now specifically trying to build esports. Like, they're like, let's make a game that's going to work as a good fucking esport, because somebody's going to crack that code. Well, but, and it's gonna... but not just that, too. Like, there's, yes, <laughs> like, obviously that, that is where we're at, but I think, yeah. like, Rocket League also opened up the the market for esports with five-minute matches. Mm. You know, like just like something you can play in, play at a high level, be competitive, and be like five minutes in and out. Do you know what the viewership is like at the Rocket League mm, I don't know. finals? I, I don't wonder. Know. I mean, I'm sure it's a fraction of, like, I mean, like it has a fraction of the player plays. Like you can, when you log on to, to Rocket League, there's normally, let's say maybe around 100,000 players logged on. Okay. Which is yeah. like very, it's a lot, but, it's a yeah. lot yeah. but it's like a fraction of League, right? Like yeah. League is like... Well, I don't know. League has been, been floundering. Apparently their viewership is way down this uh, year. Like it's been, the game's out oh, no, but this is logged in, on, logged in playing the game. I mean, right. like, like I'm saying, like a, that n- a fraction of that probably transform, transfers into, into viewers, whatever, maybe yeah. like a few thousand. But, like, but that's it. But it was like the fact that you could make a game and it's like five minutes on. And also like the development time of it is going to be less because for all of like other than us like tiny tiny little differences on hitboxes and whatever mm-hmm. you're there's never the pressure to make new champs and whatever like the way there is in league like it's right. like you don't want that in rocket league like you in a sense though it gives them less to build into it though like they right. it's going to feel less alive yeah mm-hmm. exactly but bring, they they i think they counter that by putting in a lot more different game modes and mm-hmm. stuff like like they're, they're that's they, true that's they true. have they have different uh like right now they're doing a summertime activity mm-hmm. thing where they have uh they're doing a whole 80s theme which is the best uh, so you can get like um, Ghostbusters stuff and like Cobra Kai stuff and awesome. ET things and whatever. And they're doing '80s movies, '80s culture, then '80s TV over the course of the summer. Hmm. And uh, they have like a limited time game that's only available, I guess, during the summertime, where it's like Ghost Trapper, based on uh, Ghostbusters, obviously, where the ball is haunted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the ball like bounces, but then kind of like comes to a stop and then floats a little bit. And in the Rumble mode, there is like a certain item where it was like an electric like a beam of electricity that would grab the ball and pull it with you mm-hmm. uh but they've kind of like reskinned that beam to look a little more like a proton pack and you need to sort of drag your ball into on un- com- competitively like 3v3 into the zone of your like uh your proton trap or whatever and you're like and like suck and like you know right, get right. the ghost but yeah so that is a 
super it's a fun mode that is like not at all like any of the other kind of rocket league modes where you're trying to like hit a ball mm-hmm. into a net you're trying to like pull the ball control and also you can't you when you put it in the proton trap or whatever um you have to like keep it there for a couple seconds i think it's like five seconds so you need to like get it there and then defend the area from the other people coming it's fun it's a pretty like, big change to the formula yeah right? exactly yeah. that's it like all of the the controls and all that stuff still behaves the same way but mm-hmm. but yeah that's it but you don't necessarily need to develop champs and worry about balance or whatever you could just focus on game modes you know, so eh, it's like a, I think a different sort of development channel, mm. uh, and whatever. And they made the game popular enough; they just got bought by Epic, right? Like, uh, cool. which Good I mean, well, them. cool. We'll we'll see how that goes in terms of what the user experience is like, because yeah. we've heard that it's not the best. I, kinda, I was kind of thinking cool for them from the perspective of oh, people who sold their game, people and are probably from who developed an indie game and yeah. sold it to like one of the biggest. Like Fortnite, I think is the biggest game in the world right now. It's got probably be. like yeah. So I mean, like they've been fucking laughing all the way to the bank. Yep. I think that's a good place. Yep. To end the nine to five entertainment system. Thank you for listening. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the Internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.